Amen. Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, thankful that God loves us more than we love ourselves and that God is better to us than we are to ourselves. It has been said that he who laughs last laughs best. Uh, the saying implies that it is the end of a matter that is of the most importance. And, and I believe that it is the end that really matters. And I'm glad with God you can have a bad start, you can have a bad middle, but if you finish well, uh, the grace of God will cover you. Uh, the psalmist declares in Psalm 37, verse 37, he says, Mark the perfect man. And behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. And so I'm glad that God is able to bless us, uh, not only at the start and in the middle, but also in the part that matters most. He is able to bless us in the end. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention this morning again to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the text that was just read into our hearing, we want to read again there verse number 15. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 15 in your Bibles, Paul declares, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Based on the words of the apostle here in Ephesians chapter 4, we want to use this morning as a subject, why maturity matters. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Ephesians chapter 4, I, I submit to you that maturity or, or knowing where you are uh, in the process of being mature can be a difficult thing. I would venture that most of us, when we were younger, probably thought we were more mature than we really were. I don't know about you, but I've had it said to me more than once in my living, you must think you're grown. But I found that even as you get older, that there is a difference between getting older and becoming more mature. I found that one can be well into years physically and still not be very mature. As we look at Ephesians chapter 4, Paul addresses the matter of maturing in Christ. And to be sure, life itself is a maturity process. Probably all of us have made the statement, or at least had the sentiment, if I had known then what I know now. And all that simply says is that maturity is a process. We don't know everything uh, 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 now, and we didn't know everything then, and if God blesses us to live, we won't know everything later. Maturity is a process. With that vein in mind, let me carry your mind back some 65 years ago. In 1953, James M. Barry penned one of the great literary works in written history. 
It was the story of a young boy who refused to grow up and lived in a place called Neverland. Perhaps you're familiar with the young man's story, but we understand that remaining forever a child is indeed the stuff of fantasies. You may remain young in your mind, but your body will tell on you every time. You can have a cabinet full of cosmetic products. Time will eventually tell your age. When we think about maturity, life without maturity is in fact not living as God intended. For physically, mentally, and spiritually, man is designed to be a being of maturity. In fact, one of the repeated exhortations in Scripture is for Christians to mature in Christ. You remember the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 3, verse 18? He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter is telling us that we need to mature in Christ Jesus. And periodically, we need to take an inventory of self to see how I'm doing with my own maturation. Because if we need to mature, it is also true that cultural, personal, and circumstantial obstacles are bound to stand in the way of anyone that desires to mature in Christ. Now, if you need me to say that another way, when you try to grow up in Jesus, the devil will get busy in your living. Moreover, we need to remember that spiritual maturity, like physical maturity, is a process and all don't mature at the same rate. And we need to understand what it means to be mature. I'm not mature in Christ simply because I've committed a great deal of the Bible to memory. I'm not mature in Christ because I'm an expert in the faults of others. Did you know the Pharisees were experts in the faults of others? If those things don't mean that I'm mature in Christ Jesus. So when we look at the text here in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse, uh, I want to read verse number 13. Paul says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I submit to you, number one this morning, that without maturity, we cannot understand the things that God wants us to know. I can remember as a kid sometimes being told, stay out of grown folks' business. And I believe inherent in that is what they were saying is that there are things that at your age you're not mature enough to handle. That there are things that at the station of life you are now, you need to stay in a kid's place and leave adult business to adults. When we are not mature, there are things that God would have us to know that we simply will not. And let me say that immaturity is not necessarily an intellectual problem. You know, intelligent people can be immature too. But immature, uh, 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 immaturity keeps one from knowing things that might otherwise be known. Uh, if ever we could say there was a congregation that had a maturity problem, I, I think the church at Corinth fits that description. 
And when you look at what Paul said to the Corinthians, it, it, it becomes clear to us that they were in fact mature, uh, immature rather, and when you deal with the immature person, you have to talk to them like they are immature. In, in 1 Corinthians 3 and, and verse 1 in your Bibles, Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now that was Paul in a nice way saying, see, I can't talk to you like mature folk. I have to talk to you like the immature people that you are. He says in verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. I think what Paul is saying to them is not that you all are smart enough to handle mature things, but you are mature enough to handle mature things. See, it's not necessarily an intelligence issue. Paul said, but I can't talk to you about things like turning the other cheek or going the second mile because you all can't even sit down and have worship service together. You can't share a common meal without some kind of scuffle breaking out. And then in verse 3 he says, For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Uh, I think Paul's statement just lets us know he believed what Jesus said. Uh, it was Jesus who said, You will know them by their fruits. See, you can tell an immature person because they do immature things. And you can tell a mature person because they do mature things. Now, when I get bent all out of shape and you ruin my day just because you called me a name, it says something about my maturity level. It, it, it says that I don't even understand that nobody ought to have that kind of power over me. Yeah, just to call me a name, you're going to be called a lot of names in your lifetime. You're going to be called some names even after your lifetime. But what people call you doesn't define who you are. And if you're having trouble with names, go get your birth certificate again. It ought to let you know on there what your mama named you. And if they don't call you one of the names on your birth certificate, then obviously you're not talking to me in the first place. But you can tell a mature person by the life that they live, and similarly you can tell an immature person by the life that they live. But looking further at the idea of immaturity, I believe it can also be said that immaturity is not perceived by those whom it possesses. In other words, usually the last person to know that I'm immature is me. You know, and some folk will tell you you're immature, and maybe in a nice way, and you'll deny it with everything in you. But again in your Bibles, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 11, Paul says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And isn't it in adulthood that we look back at who we used to be and appreciate how immature prayerfully that we were? You know, when you look back, you ought to see some progress in your living. I just pray to God I don't think like I did at 28 or 18 or 8. I just hope I've made some progression in the maturity process since then. Uh, but you look back sometimes and you look at the way you think and sometimes you wonder, what was I thinking? Or was I thinking in the first place? That's just stuff that makes sense to you. 
You know, as a child, uh, uh, as a young adult, that, that, that as you get older, you just look back and, and shake your head and say, there must be a God. There's there, there, no way I could have thought like that and made it on my own except God spared me. You know, you look back, uh, and you know, when you're young, you, just have, you don't have the same perception of money. You know, now as you get older, you just ought to become a little more mature, a little wiser with your money. You ought to stand, understand things like just because I can pay for it doesn't mean I can afford it. Just because I can afford it doesn't necessarily mean I need to buy it. See, those are things you learn as you mature. Uh, uh, you look back at your living and uh, uh, you think about, you know, just, just how responsible or irresponsible you were. You're just your approach to life. You, nobody can, uh, you know, I can take care of myself. You can. Since when? You can take care of yourself all by yourself with no help from God. I think it takes some maturity to realize, you know what, I can't really take care of anything. We sing that song sometimes, I need thee every hour. And we don't just need God every hour, we need God for everything. But immaturity in a child is expected, but immaturity in an adult is detested. You know, if you, you see a child acting immature, well, you're only three years old. You know, what, what do you expect from somebody three years old? But when you see somebody 30 throwing a tantrum, you say, boy, you just need to grow up some. Uh, see, it's okay in a child because they're a child. But, but there comes a point where I ought to grow out of certain things. Like Paul said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. The Hebrew Christians were rebuked by the writer for their lack of spiritual maturity. Uh, uh, again, in your Bibles, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 12, the Hebrew writer says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers. Now, I know we all mature at different processes, but there just uh, comes a time when you just ought to know certain things. Now, now I'm not going to put a time limit on it, but uh, you know, if you've been in Christ Jesus for a while, you ought to know uh, and be able to tell other folk what they need to do to obey the gospel. You know, hey, shame on me if I've been in the church five years and somebody want to know how to obey the gospel. I say, well, wait a minute, let me go get one of the elders to explain it to you. Yeah, yeah, wait for the time you ought to be teaching. Now, I'm not saying you can exegete the Bible start to finish, but, but, but there just comes a time when there's just certain things I ought to know. The writer says, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. If I understand what the Hebrew writer is saying, it's kind of like raising your children. You know, with your children, there ought to come a time when you can say, for when for the time ye ought to be supporting yourself. Now, 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 I'm not going to say, I'm not going to put a hard number on that. But, but somewhere along the line, you need to move out and get your own space and start paying your own bills. Uh, there ought to come a time when, when you just take care of yourself and as a matter of gratitude, you honor your mother and father. You know, we raised you when you were younger. So, so, so now as a matter of kindness, you just, you know, pay for vacation. Uh, not yours, ours. <laughs> But there, just come, there, there ought to come a time when you move out of your parents' house and start taking care of yourself. There, there ought to come a time when I do that. Now, I'm not saying it happens with everybody, but, but if I'm trying to help you live a, a, a good life, then, then there comes a time when you have to step up to the plate and, and do the things that adults do 
if you think you're an adult. Paul said you ought to be teachers. I mean, if you've just been around the church for some time, there's just some things you ought to know and be firmly convicted of. Uh, uh, you ought not still be wondering if Jesus was raised from the dead. There, there, there just ought to be some things you have a firm conviction about. And appreciate maturity divests itself of self-interest. And, and, and when I say that, as we mature, the will of God and the word of God takes on new meaning when read with a heart of maturity. You ever read the Bible and get something out of it that you didn't get before? You know, maybe it's because I'm growing up in Christ some. And, and, and I'm able to see the deeper truths of the Bible. It, not necessarily that I'm smarter than I was, but, but I'm more mature. My, my heart is more open to the will of God. I, I'm not thinking so much about me. I, I'm thinking more about what God wants. You know, when you read something like uh, uh, Matthew 5, but I say unto you, love your enemies, that's not intellectually deep. But it requires some maturity to practice. You know, and, and as you mature, you may have read that scripture hundreds of times. But, but as I grow up, it takes on new meaning. Without maturity, we cannot understand the things that God wants us to understand. But then looking further there in Ephesians chapter 4, in, in verse number 14, Paul says that we henceforth be no more children. See, everybody got to grow up at some time. Even spiritually, we have to grow up. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You know what Paul is saying? Children believe almost anything. You know, you have to be a child to believe some of the stuff that children believe. You know, as you grow up, the idea of a gentleman in a red suit flying all around the world, you know, just filled with a philanthropic spirit, uh, you know, as an adult, you're just not buying that story. But as a child, uh, you, you, uh, yeah, you, there's a whole lot of buy-in as a child. Uh, uh, as a child, there's buy-in to a rabbit that goes around giving folk eggs. You know, but, but as you get older, you appreciate rabbits don't even lay eggs. <laughs> well, where do you get the eggs from? They're just things that a child can buy that an adult knows better than. Paul said that we be henceforth, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You know, when we grow up in Christ Jesus, we ought to be able to watch TV. And if we hear, uh, you know, some, some false preacher on there not have our faith shaken by something that he declares. Why? Because I understand the word of God. You know, somebody on there claiming Jesus is going to come back in, in 2020. Well, see, I just remember Jesus saying that nobody but the Father knew when that time was going to be. So, so I'm not shaken by a threat of nuclear war, the world coming to an end, and all this kind of thing. I'm just going to serve God and do his will today. And be carried about with every wind of doctrine by sleight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. I submit to you further this morning that without maturity... We cannot become all that God wants us to be. Have you ever stopped and thought about what is it God wants us to be? Sometimes folk answer that question. They think God wants us to be happy. No, what God wants you to be is to be holy. And in pursuit of holiness, guess what you get in the bargain? You get something better than happiness, you get joy. 
But God wants us to be reflections. Uh, uh, the Lord wants us to be reflections of him. Uh, in Philippians 2 verse 5, uh, there Paul said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, I want you to think the way Jesus thought, so that in living your life you will do the things that Jesus did. So when people look at you, they will see not you, but Jesus living in you. I want you to be a reflection of me. You know, that takes some maturity to appreciate. And one of the things that we all have to admit is that you don't start out full grown. And sometimes, just like it's true socially, we want to be more grown than we are in actuality. Anybody here want to, uh, you wanted to be more grown than you were? Uh, you know how it is. Uh, you, you know what it is to be, uh, want to be more grown than you are. I, I don't have my own house, but I want to make my own decisions. I, I'm not paying rent, but I want to come and go as I please. See, you want to be more grown than you are. Because when you want to make those kind of decisions, there are some things that come along with that. And what you'll find out is even if I have my own house and pay my own bill, I still don't get to come and go as I please. There'll still be some things that make demands on my time. I remember back in Luke chapter 22, Jesus was about to go through the ordeal and all the attendant things that led up to his crucifixion. And in Luke 22, verse 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. And, and I know he's talking to Peter, but, but the pronoun there is plural. He's really talking about all the disciples. Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, you ever want to know what the devil's intent for you is? That, that's what the devil wants. The devil wants to sift you as wheat. He, he just want to get in your life and just mess up everything. He, he wants to wreck your faith. He, he wants to render you uh, uh, of no practical service in the kingdom of God. But then notice what the Lord says in verse 32. But I have prayed for thee. It doesn't that have to be comforting? I, I pray to God that people other than me are praying for me. But man, it don't get any better when Jesus said, I'm praying for you. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. That your faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. As comforting as the thought is that Jesus was praying for him, it had to be somewhat disconcerting that Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you're not as mature as I need you to be yet. But I'm praying for you that you grow up. And when you grow up, I got some work for you. When you are converted, strengthen your breath. You're not equal to it right now, Peter. That's not to say that you're of no use. But I want you to grow up so I can use you in a great, greater way. Don't you know that's all of us, that's our story as children of God. God wants us to mature so he can use us in a greater way. Whatever God is using me for now, he wants to use me in a greater way. And appreciate that maturity has a higher standard than the sinful minimum or strict letter of law. Now, yeah, you know what the sinful minimum is, don't you? It's when we start asking questions and they're prefaced with how much, when we really want to know how little. How often do I have to come to church? 
Well, well, if you just want to be blunt, you don't have to come at all. Now, you can just take the consequences that come with walking away from the Lord, but, but you don't have to come. God is still going to be God, whether any of us are here or not. It's not going to make Jesus less Lord if I decide to walk away from him. Everything that he is with me, he will still be without me. But, but that's the sinful minimum. I'm looking for the least I can do to get by. See, maturity seeks to do all that God enables me to do, rather than look for the least that I can do to get by. Maturity focuses not on the cost of sacrifice, but on the benefits of service. That's how you know you're maturing. When it's time to do something in the kingdom, you don't look at what it's going to cost me. In terms of time, money, effort, whatever, that's not what you consider. What you consider is, how will this move, help the kingdom move forward? How will this help God be glorified? See, when I start looking at how does it work for God, rather than what will it cost me, that's maturity. When my first concern, when, when they announce something about kingdom work, my first concern is how long will it take I need to grow up? See, because that's self-interest. But when my concern is, Lord... Help me do all that I can in this effort with regards to what it costs. Because whatever it costs, I'm not spending my stuff anyway. It's not my time. It's not my effort. It's not my money. It's not my ability. All that I have, I got from God to start with. And when we serve God, God is glorified. Maturity is concerned with God's glory rather than my cost. And then third there in Ephesians 4, in verse number 15, Paul says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I submit to you third this morning that without maturity, we cannot accomplish the Father's will. And appreciate God's command to perform never precedes or exceeds his provision to succeed. You remember God called Noah, and he told Noah, build this monstrosity of a boat, and then I want you to gather not just two of every kind, as is commonly said, but, but two of the unclean and seven pairs of the clean. Do you know that before God called Noah to do that, God had already made it possible for Noah to do that. Do you know that before God calls us to anything and, and make sure God has called you to it? Now, how do I know God has called me to it? Well, go back and get last Sunday's sermon and know about the will of God. Before God calls me to anything, his provision to succeed will precede whatever he calls me to. The only way you fail when you're serving God is if you don't serve God. He always gives us what we need to do what he's called us to do before he ever calls us to do it. From the Bible record, we're able to discern that God's servants always got what they needed to succeed before they had to perform. But they had to go through a maturation process. Uh, look at Moses. 
Why do you think Moses had to go out and be a shepherd for 40 years in Midian? Because Moses, see, leading them Israelites is not, not going to be light work. Them folk, they'll turn on you at the drop of a dime. They grumble about everything. And it's going to take some meekness and then some to lead that troop. Why did David go out in the field and shepherd before he was appointed king over God's people? Because again, leading Israel is no easy task. Why did Joshua serve as uh, uh, Moses' minister before he was given command of Israel? Because I'm not calling you to any light work. At times, we may look at our circumstances and only see the hardships. But have you ever considered that maybe God is sending me through a maturation process like he did David and Moses and Joshua and all of the others that he used in scripture? And maybe my troubles are not really about the trouble that I'm going through. God is maturing me because he wants to use me for something greater down the road. You know, I think the Bible says that, you know, troubles can help you grow up. Troubles can help you learn something. You know what James said? Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, James 1, verse 2. Uh, troubles can help you grow up. Now, they can influence you to quit, too, depending on where your mind is. But troubles can help you grow up. That they can help you see God for who he is. Troubles help you see God as a deliverer, that nothing else can help you see him that way. And the faithful of all ages have in common the willingness and the ability to see long term. See, it takes maturity to see things long term. In Hebrews 12, verse 1 in your Bibles, the writer says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. See, that's maturity. When you talk about running with patience, Christianity is not a religion of instant gratification. And isn't that what we want sometimes? Isn't it we want it now? It, why do you think consumer debt is so high in, in this country? Because we want it now. You know, it, it's not that we couldn't wait, we just want it now. You know, I want a flat screen, 70-inch flat screen. So I can spend more time watching TV than I need to. And, and rather than save and buy it, I, I want it now. And so we'll go down to, you know, rip off center. <laughs> so I can come home with it right now, $5 down, and, and a lifetime through your lifetime. <laughs> we make immature and unwise decisions when we are unwilling to see things from a long-term perspective. See, maturity considers the end of a matter. Not just what am I going to get right now, but how is this going to affect me long term? See, that's maturity. If I'm going to be a faithful servant of God, I have to be able to see things long term. Everything may not be what I want it to be by tomorrow. Uh, if you are mature, what you have come to appreciate is everything is never going to be the way that I want it to be. No matter how long I stay here, and you know what? Thank God everything will never be the way that I want it to be. And one of the things that I've learned is sometimes what I want is just what I think I want till I get it. 
And then after I get it, you know, we almost gonna blame God for letting us have it. <laughs> Maturity appreciate my place is to serve and allow God to do what he does and just be faithful in what he's called me to. God wants to work through us to the end that we might be blessings to the world around us. You know, I just marvel that people watch the news and just shake their heads all the time. What is the world coming to? Uh, Well, without Jesus, we don't have to ask what the world is coming to. And if we want the world to come to a better end, then we ought to be busy about the message of Christ Jesus and him crucified. God wants to reconcile men to himself in the person of Christ Jesus. And he does that through the gospel, and he calls us by the gospel message, hearing the good news about Christ, Romans 10, 17, believing Jesus to be the Christ, John 8, 24, the willingness to turn from sin, Luke 13, 3, making the confession of faith in Christ, Matthew 10, uh, uh, 10, 32, and then being baptized in water for the remission of sins, Acts 2, 38. And when we go down into the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins, puts his spirit inside of us, and adds us to the church. You know, those, the, 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 the latter two of those three things God does to help mature us, that we might be a blessing to others. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation, or you want the church to pray for you, and if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.